Well, I am all on my own today. Uh, Sue Williams, uh, my normal co-presenter on the Flat Chat Rap podcast, is somewhere off the coast of Spain at the moment and uh, is not easily contactable. Apparently there's a problem with the internet in Europe, believe it or not. Probably something to do with heat waves. Um, so you're pretty much left to me, although I do have a special guest today who is... Karen Stiles, the Executive Officer of the Owners Corporation Network. And we're going to be talking about the upcoming Strata Matters uh, conference, their annual conference, which uh, is coming up the 22nd of September. We'll talk about that and we'll talk about the best suburbs to go to if you want an upgrade in your address. Let's put it that way, where you can buy an apartment uh, for an awful lot less than you would pay for a house. And finally, another look at the situation in Queensland where people are getting very, very cross with me because I'm saying bad things about their contracts there. I'm Jimmy Thompson. I write the Flat Chat column for the Australian Financial Review, and this is the Flat Chat Wrap. is a really interesting article in the Sydney Morning Herald, and I'll put the link on the show notes, by Kate Burke, who has written about how you can make a serious upgrade in your address um, by buying an apartment in one of Sydney's prime suburbs. And she's done some analysis into the difference between the price of houses and the price of apartments in these posh suburbs. And some of it is, uh, I I was going to say breathtaking, eye-watering, I think would be more appropriate. For instance, Bellevue Hill in Sydney, the median house price is $9 million. The median unit price is $1.5 million. So that's a price gap or a saving, if you like it, of $7.5 million. Vaucluse, uh, median house price, $8.55 million. Medium unit price is $1.35 million, saving about $7.2 million. Bronte, the saving is nearly $4 million. Mossman, the difference is 3.65. Rose Bay, the difference is 3.425. Now, being realistic. The median house price in these areas is based on properties which are probably quite substantial, quite big. The median apartment price might be based on properties that are substantially smaller. So we are not comparing like for like. We're comparing houses with apartments. We're probably not even comparing like for like in terms of the amount of living space. Even so, if you want to have a posh address and you quite like the idea of living in an apartment, you can get yourself into one of these very she-she suburbs and uh, make your address line on your letters look pretty posh. The economic logic behind this uh, is supplied by KPMG uh, economist Terry Ronsley, who says the biggest price gaps are in well-located, often densely populated areas where blocks of land commanded the highest premiums, and apartments tended to be an older block. So that makes sense. You've got some of these old blocks, you know, they're, they're 
two or three story walk-ups. They're not fantastically architecturally designed, but they're providing homes for six or eight times as many families as would be accommodated in one house on a similar size block. And that's where the difference comes in. Um, if you can get into a modern, large apartment in those areas, they're going to be a lot more expensive. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. But Kate Burke has done a great job on this article. It's pre pretty interesting stuff. She goes to the other end as well. If you want to know the areas where the smallest difference between apartments and houses, then we're looking at Wentworthville is the uh, 500,000, Cabramatta is 505, uh, down to Yaguna at 526,000. It's still a substantial difference. You're still making a big saving by going into an apartment, but I'll bet you that the apartment, the difference in floor space on the apartments in those areas is a lot less than it is in the posh areas in the eastern suburbs where most of them tend to be. But, you know, if uh, having a prestigious address is one of your aspirations, then it seems that you can do it without having to be a dot-com millionaire. Check it out. The address is in the show notes. When we come back, we're going to be talking to Karen Stiles of the Owners Corporation Network about the Strata Matters conference after this. <laughs> As I said before, we are talking to Karen Stiles, the Executive Officer of the Owners Corporation Network, about the Strata Matters Conference, which is coming up. And I just have to warn you that we did this over Zoom, and when I was recording it, it sounded like there was a bit of a technical problem somewhere in between us. I've tried to deal with it in the edit, but if there is crackling there, I apologise. It's... Uh, that's modern technology. It's terrific when it works, and it's really awful when it doesn't. Here's Karen Style. Hi, Karen. How are you? Right. Thanks, Jimmy. We're here to talk about this year's Strata Matters Conference. Ah, yes. Yeah. Looking forward to it. <laughs> well, uh, good. Me too. So, first of all, when is it? It's on Friday, the 22nd of September. It's 10 a.m. until 2 p.m., and we throw in lunch. Woo. And yeah, we've got keynote speakers and a couple of panels talking about topics du jour. Right. Okay. Now, can you tell me who your keynote speakers are or is that still under wrap? <laughs> a girl has to be careful, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you've got I a, can. You can. Okay, good. Yep. So the Shadow Minister for Fair Trading and Building, uh, right. the Honourable Tim James. Yes. And we've also got uh, the Head of Policy at oh. Customer Service New South Wales talking right. about the building reform. Right. Katie Harbon, uh, Head of Policy in New South Wales Customer Service, right. to talk about the building reform journey, which um, some of us know has been an extraordinary uh, three or four years and culminating in some great outcomes. Right. Okay. What are the kind of topics that, apart from the keynote speakers, what are the areas that we will be discussing or hearing being discussed? Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about financial decision making and cost saving in tough times. Yeah. And we're going to talk about adaptation and renewal of aging buildings. Uh -huh. And very importantly, we're going to be talking about emergency planning and disaster resilience. 
Right. Are we talking about floods or fires or or what kind of disasters are we talking about? Which one do you want? Um, <laughs> it could be as simple as a power outage, and that might not seem too bad if you're in a, a standalone house, but it's going to make a difference if you're on the 100th floor of a, a high-rise building. Right. Um, getting in and out is going to be tricky. Yeah. Um, and, of course, you know, with all the – so it could be anything, it, it right down to terrorism, of course. Hmm. Try not to think about that. I mean, I know that there was, in the early days of my building, somebody uh, pointed out that we've got a road tunnel running right underneath the building, and we'd mm-hmm. be prime candidates for terrorism, except nobody really cares about us. <laughs> hey, we wouldn't be prime targets, I'm guessing, now that I've said that. We probably are. Now, I think I'm on a panel, uh, I seem to recall. Or, or have I been bumped? Oh, gosh, no. Um, no, you'll be moderating a panel, as will uh, the lovely Sue Williams. Yep. Um, so we've, it's going to be an action-packed day. We'll have a, a special appearance from, um, we like to call him, you know, the, the Cape Crusader, David Chandler. New South All right. Wales. Building commissioner, right? So you know, it's it's all happening, right? So how do people uh, find out about this? Is it, presumably, they go to your website. That's correct. Go to the Owners Corporation Network of Australia website, and it's on the front page, and you can register very easily there um, to secure your seat. How much does it cost? Uh, from it fifty five and for members, yeah. and eighty five for non members, and we're holding it at the Miller Hotel in North Sydney. Right. So it's very accessible by bus, train, car, um, foot. Ferry. Right. I don't have my uh, calendar in front of me. Is the 22nd a Friday or a Saturday? It's a Friday. Okay. So you can skip work and go. <laughs> well, it's, it's in the afternoon, isn't it? Well, or it's the morning. 10 till 2. 10 till 2. Right. It's basically a, a long lunch. Look it's at it that a long way. lunch packed with great information <laughs> right. and opportunities to network with fellow owners. And how much does it cost to join OCN these days? It's $66 or, you know, just over a dollar a week to become an individual member of OCN. Right. Uh, And we also welcome schemes to join as well. Okay. And how much does a a strata scheme, how much are they charged? Does Uh, it depend on the size of the scheme or is it a a one blanket fee? uh, We've got small and large scheme fees. Right. And it's Two twenty-five for small scheme and four fifty for large plus GST. Right. Um, and you know it's a great investment in in savings. We have member offers. We tell you about upcoming grants. Mm. Um, and obviously the networking and all the supplier recommendations. It, you know, can really save schemes a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also it gives you a voice because you guys do have a seat at the table, as they say, when it comes to government policy formulation. Yeah, I'm meeting with the commissioner straight after our little chat here, in fact. Well, there we go. Um, I have been doing a lot of digging around in in Victoria, uh, where I think they, I, I basically I've been saying, unusually for me, I've been quite outspoken on this. I uh, have been saying that apartment owners in Victoria are deluding themselves. They think 
they don't have any problem. And the biggest problem, I think, is complete lack of transparency there. For instance, apartment owners do not have the right to observe committee meetings. The whole minute system there is basically they send out an agenda before a meeting and then after the meeting send out minutes saying, yeah, we spoke about these things. They don't actually have to say what they said. And and it goes on and it goes on and it goes on. And I've heard that you and the president of SCA Victoria Oh, uh, the lovely Julie McLean. Julie McLean and the organisation We Live Here. Now, I read somewhere that you three have been in talks about expanding or certainly helping them to, to get their message out there. How's that going? We're certainly uh, friendly with We Live Here, whose main focus is on short-term letting, of yeah. course. Uh, there's also a Docklands owners uh, group down there, which is doing some great networking and educational work and and really bringing in uh, Melbourne City Council yep. and the police uh, to do with security and all of that. So we're talking with them as well as SCA Victoria and SCA National yep. uh, about how we can, you know, collaborate and strengthen a, a joint message on issues of common interest. So that's really great. I mean, it helps when we're all on the same page and singing from the same song sheet. Right. And uh, can we expect to see at some point in the future an OCN Vic? Is that possible, do you think? I think we'll see an OCN presence in Victoria and Queensland and beyond. Um, it's, I like to think of us as, you know, the NRMA. It's not NRMA New South Wales or or Victoria, it's just one big happy fan. The legislation might be different in different states, yep. but the human side of it is the same any God. Right, absolutely, absolutely. And I think our dream must be at some point to have all the legislation in every state roughly the same. We don't want all the bad things from other states, but maybe they want some of the good things from, from our situation and we want some of the good things from theirs. Yeah, well, Queensland's looking at collective sale now yep. um, and we've been talking with them about the uh, traps to avoid. Right, good. Yeah, this is how we, this is how it should work. Okay, Karen, um, great to talk to you. I know you've got a, a ton of things to do apart from going and meeting the commissioner. Um, and uh, good luck with that. He's a nice bloke. He seems to know what he's talking about. Thank you. Well, we, there's quite the plethora of commissioners now. It's, um, yeah, we don't have a strata commissioner yet, though, do we? Uh, it's on the agenda. Are you putting your hand up for it? <laughs> I thought you were. Should I apply? Look, we'll toss a coin. We'll play rock, paper, scissors, and whoever whoever loses gets to be the commissioner. Sounds good. <laughs> okay, Karen. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks so for much. Talking. Cheers. Bye. I mentioned at the start that uh, we're getting a bit of heat from Queensland. We're also getting a lot of interest from Queensland because we, once again, have raised the issue of pre-sale of management rights contracts. So there's several issues at play in this. The first one is that developers are allowed to sell caretaker managers the contracts to manage buildings before the owners have even set foot in the place. So this is money directly into developers' pockets for no benefit whatsoever except the right to override 
what would be the case in every other state in Australia, the right to choose your own manager and the terms under which they are employed. Now, that's the other part of this uh, situation, which I have called many times legalised corruption because it is written into strata law in or body corporate law in Queensland that developers are allowed to do this. So the other aspect of this is you've pre-sold a contract and the owners, they cannot choose who their building manager is going to be and they can't set the terms and conditions and the KPIs, as they're called, the key performance indicators for that contract. Okay, that's one other bad point about this. Another thing is that the caretaker managers can sell the contract to other caretaker managers and the owners in the apartments once again don't have a choice about who those caretaker managers would be. And this is a trade in Queensland that's worth hundreds of millions of dollars every year. And it's a bit like apartment owners being traded like cattle, really. You know, you're just, you have no choice. You just have to go along with whatever you're given. Other aspects of this, which have been proven over the years, is that you very difficult to get out of these contracts, almost impossible to get out of these contracts. It doesn't matter how badly the manager behaves, when they get taken to court for non-performance, just in just about every occasion that I've seen, the judge or the magistrate or the tribunal member will find some way of not finding that the contract has been violated, including like the wording being that somebody said they didn't fulfill the duties by such and such a time and the magistrate has gone, well, you should have said at least such and such a time. I mean, it's that ridiculous. Um, Obviously, really unfair and biased against owners. There are two levels of contracts in Queensland for caretaker managers. One is a very generous 10 years uh, per contract and the other one is an absolutely obscene 25-year contract. The 10-year contract is for buildings that are designated as standard module, which is for buildings where they expect most of the residents to be owner-occupiers. And the other one is the accommodation module, which is basically short-term letting hotel-type situation. What is happening, and there's a lot of evidence about this, is that developers are selling their apartments as luxury accommodation for owner-occupiers, but getting a development approval for them as short-term rentals. And when they get that approval, they can then apply for a 25-year contract, a 25-year contract. The apartment owners have no say in who the caretakers are. They have no say in the terms of the contracts. They have no say in who those contracts can be sold to. Getting back to the 10-year contract, There's stories coming through that as they start to get towards the end of the contract, around about seven years, caretaker managers are going to their committees and saying, "Okay, we need you to extend this by a few years so that we can either continue in the job or sell it to someone else. And I've even heard of committees being warned by their caretaker managers that if they don't extend the contract beyond the 10 years, they will be sued for restraint of trade. As I have said many, many, many times, this is just wrong. It is obscenely wrong. It's costing, according to the Unit Owners Association of Queensland, it's costing apartment owners in Queensland $140 million every year because they cannot get competitive quotes on management services or 
who provides services to those managers. I'm being attacked for being unfair and biased. You know what? I don't mind. I don't care. I am biased in favour of people who are being ripped off. I am biased against any system that not only allows this to happen, but encourages it to happen. And the people who should be looking after owners, apartment owners in every state, local politicians, in Queensland, they are doing nothing. You'll find more about this on the website and there's a link in the show notes. I'm going to go and calm down in the hope that I survive long enough to talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Flat Chat Rap podcast. You'll find links to the stories and other references on our website, flatchat.com.au. And if you haven't already done so, you can subscribe to this podcast completely free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. Just search for Flat Chat Rap with a W, click on subscribe, and you'll get this podcast every week without even trying. Thanks again. Talk to you again next week.